everyone. This is The Shuffle Bus, and I'm your host, Jesse Bergman. As always, I have my good friend and co-host, Neil Molman, joining me today. Welcome back for episode 13. This time we're back with more Wave 5 discussion, and it's going to include things like our first impressions from our initial games. Uh, so let's uh, go ahead and hop on the bus, and let's go for a ride. How's it going, Neil? Good. Pretty good. good. I'm staying in my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole shut in thing. We're still not in like a shelter in place order in Nebraska, but I, I mean, we're basically all staying home as much as possible and trying to social distance as much as possible. So for all our listeners that are in stay home orders, we, you know, we hope for the best and hope you can come out of those scenarios very, very soon. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting state of being, but it gives you time to listen to stuff like us and, uh, we hope that we can fill some of that void for you. Exactly, man. So we uh, we started a couple of weeks ago, and at the time this is coming out, it'll probably be maybe three streams in, four streams in, somewhere in that range, uh, streaming on Twitch. So we would love for you to come join us uh, on Sundays. We play Sunday afternoons from 2 p.m. Central until 4 p.m. Central. And it's an opportunity to kind of talk with us, interact with us while we play some games and uh, discuss different strategies and synergies going on in the new set right now. So I think that makes a good segue, Neil, just to kind of dive right in. So tell me, what are your first impressions of Wave 5? Obviously, we just got the complete set. We haven't been playing with the complete set yet. But the early impressions based on, I would call it, 85% of all the cards out there? Yeah, I'm. I mean, what you and I have been doing on the stream anyway... Uh, has made me feel like I I don't think there's going to be like a whole new archetype or something. Like we're going to kind of stay where we were in wave four, but we'll, you know, some of the bots will be different. Some of the cards will be different, but for the most part, like those same kind of archetypes are where we're at. Yeah. I, I, I want to make one comment on that. I know we, we don't have a ton of data on it, but our first matchup that we played on stream was actually your Fort Max deck in its first iteration against my airstrike patrol list that I ran at PPG Orlando. And man, Fort Max made that four white aggro list just kind of bad, like really bad. Well, I also didn't miss on the bot, bot mode ability ever against you. <laughs> That's true. So that helps a lot. No, um, yeah, it does. Yeah, Fort Max is an interesting guy. I, I mean, I think he like probably loses pretty bad to like Galaxy because... Galaxy is essentially the same as him, only he gets to play two other men. Um, I I'm not sure. Like that deck's fun to play, um, and you know the the biggest takeaway I had from uh, our games is is just like I thought it would that having the heads like screws up the turn order. And yeah, I, that, even on stream, yeah, like we've done it wrong a couple of times just because it's so new. And, uh, you know, that the one that comes to mind the most for me that I thought was really funny was like, I thought I was going to lose. And then I remembered that my quake was going to leave his head behind and I got to Inferno Breath you out. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, no, <laughs> like, I mean, those are the kinds of things that we're talking about when we discuss this sort of interaction that's occurring now in, in the game, because I honestly like I don't know how many times I even made mistakes in our early games of like 
I don't know. I was looking at your Quake. I'm going to use that same match as an example. I'm like, oh, Quake's got eight health. Okay, I can just like smack him down. But oh, wait a minute. He's got a head that gives him two health. And so it's really easy. And I think Octagon's some of the culprit there. But I also think that it's easy to just like offset that with, oh, wait a minute. Like there's this head that does this other thing that I'm not thinking about either. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy to have a way to uh, play games. Um That is, uh, you know, we can not just go to the same place. You know, our local hobby stores close everything. I'm, I'm happy to have a way to play games over the internet, but I really dislike playing on Octagon. Yeah, I, I, I feel you also, there. Like, it's, uh, it is rough. After I just said it out loud, I realized that I cheated you at the Inferno Breath because the head is too small to actually tap to Inferno Breath. <laughs> Yet again. Uh, well, that's all right. I cheated you on like the repeated attack into your Cerebus on stream a couple of weeks ago. And I watched uh, the Vector Sigma stream last night on YouTube and they did the exact same thing. It is so easy because you think you're in this mode of like, oh, I'm just right, going to flat we've out We've been playing attack. the game for two years and you just like... Like both players just assume it works like it works because we've been doing it that way for so long. But I, yeah, I find it, it very doesn't. interesting. Like I, I think it's cool. Um, like I haven't made a deck with more than one head guy yet, but I want to kind of just to see like, like if leaving those guys behind is actually very important because it. I don't know. It like it like lets you play a couple cards in between losing, I guess. Uh, instead of just getting pummeled by four guys. I mean, your guy probably like you'll get to take a turn, and then your guy will probably die on the next attack. But yeah, that that is a that's that's true. I, I think like just kind of going back to that Fort Max Airstrike Patrol deck. Like, I don't think that the the game that I cheated you would have changed the outcome, but uh, it it definitely would have changed the fact that. After the wheel, I wouldn't have had uh, one airstrike patrol guy to fight you. I would have lost my first airstrike patrol, which in that case would have been night flight. Um, but I would have still had Tailwind and, and Springer uh, to to finish off your head. Um, and so it, it's it's interesting to watch how that works out, and that those heads really do change the way the game is played. But I'm with you in that I'm not sure it actually counts as a full archetype change. So. What, what I mean by that is, like, when you're playing your Quake, which is a three-wide, well, it's four-wide? Four-wide Quake deck it's a in terms wide. of... Well, if you count the head, right? No, it's it's three airstrikes, a hook, and a Quake. Okay, so it's actually then with the head, like, a six-wide. but Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't... It doesn't... That, that head really is, like, making it, like, a five-and-a-half-wide, right? Like, and, and in some games, that mattered. Like, in, in our short, limited amount of testing, in those games, it mattered. Um, I know that the social groups are all a flyer with Windsweeper and Skytread, and we had a deck on stream last Sunday with that, uh, which would have been on the... What, the... Roughly the fifth or something, but um, anyways, that deck seems like it might be uh, kind of a neat three wide control type archetype. I just think both those guys are good. Uh, Sky Shadow, both like obviously you play the whole package, the fifteen points of Sky Shadow. Um, I think all those cards are involved in Sky Shadow are good. I think that Windsweeper is one of the best bots and that they printed in the set. Um, 
I don't know that he's good enough for like tier one constructor or whatever, but he's very good. Yeah, I mean, I think that'll be. He's a, like a, he's a like point. the the slipstream we always wanted. But yeah, he 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 might even be better than the slipstream we always wanted, I mean, just because he's definitely better than the slipstream. That's that's what I'm saying. Is like this is like what they wanted slipstream to do. You know, I see, I see what you're saying now. Like my, my bad. Like he's like his his numbers are pretty good, and his ability is definitely relevant. And yeah, and, and you know, if we talk about that just a little bit. Um, I, I do think that obviously my first pass at the deck had some, some test cards in it for wave five, just cause I wanted to see the impact and the self damaging cards. Cause it seemed like if there was a deck that wanted to self damage, it was the wind sweeper, you know, <laughs> the wind, wind, yeah. Wind sweeper. I don't even know. Wind sweeper is the guy that moves damage. Yeah. yeah. And sky tread. And, the super, and, no, yeah. sky shadow. Sky tread was a combiner from the last. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Sky shadow. Jeez. I'm all out of sorts tonight. Well, but Sky Shadow and Sky Tread are like too similar. <laughs> They're just so <laughs> similar. Can we go back to uh, like it's just like Wave Five plane combine plane tank combiner guy because we had this problem with all the weapons in <laughs> Wave <yeah>. Three. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I I think it's I think this will be I'll be curious to see how this sort of uh, meta evolves because I do think that it will evolve. Um, you know, I mean, I watched a match last night where the Galaxy Prime list, Dan was running a new Galaxy Prime list, and he had Brawn in the list, and he had updated it, uh, the battle cards to Wave 5 as well, and he was having a lot of success with Brawn on stream, and so I, I do think Brawn is one of those cards that, like, in that three-wide control archetype might actually be better than uh, the... the, uh, the uh, aerial bot that was in that list uh skydive was it skydive yeah skydive so i i do think that like when we talk about lists and we talk about the evolution of lists i i think we're getting to a point now where the card pool is becoming large enough as a whole both bots and uh battle cards that the the impact of like the percentage value impact of each set reduces substantially, right? Like when we went to wave two, we just essentially got 50% more cards, right? And by wave three, we got 33% and wave four, 25%. Those are roundabout rough numbers. Obviously, I'm not doing the real math on what we added in each section of the pool. But uh, so as we get down to wave five, we're now to 20%. So we're seeing more and more of a reduction in terms of the impact of the number of cards in pool. So without rotation, it, it makes sense theoretically that not every card and the majority of cards including bots now are going to be less impactful on shifting the meta right and i mean that's just true of every card game right like we're, we're gonna have, look at this set like and there are gonna be just like very similar to how wave five was or how wave four was uh there are just some you know how, how many of the cards in in wave four did we play like well i think some, there was quite a few yeah i mean not, like yeah like the like the Galaxy Prime deck or whatever, obviously it had a Galaxy in it. The other two bots were Wave 1 and Wave 2. And it had some, you know, some battle cards, but like the core ones that you just had three of were still Wave 1 cards. So, But if we really talk about Wave 4 as a meta shifter, because I think it was, I, I think we can all agree to that, that you get into a position where... You know, I mean, you had Galaxy Prime, you had Airstrike Patrol, you had to a little bit of a degree, um, 
certainly didn't have the great tournament results, but, but, um, uh, Octone. And then you had, um, you had the, uh, the Springer deck that kind of emerged as in Springer in multiple forms. You know, when you start talking about that, we really had, uh, I mean, arguably eight bots that were pushing tier one competitive levels. I mean, well, I mean, Springer is like probably the most powerful bot in the game. Uh, Night Tailwind is also absurd. And then Galaxy and Jetfire are both absurd. Like, like that's, that's kind of the difference I, that I see between these sets is that I don't know oh, that there okay. are as yeah. many, like, like, I don't, I don't think we're going to have this list going to wave six where like, oh yeah, wave five, like these characters all of a sudden became the meta. I don't think they will. I think we're still going to be playing galaxy and stuff because they don't want to go over the top of that. But the, no, I, and I agree completely with what you're saying. So that's, that's where I'm kind of talking about when we talk about these, uh, this, this evolution, there were 52 bots in wave four and, and we could probably even include captain Jetfire in this argument. And so when, when you start talking well, he's about definitely it better that, than Octone, <laughs> right? So, so, I mean, even if we leave Octone off the list and we just say Jetfire, galaxy prime airstrike patrol, which we can count two out of wave four, um, you've got, uh, Springer. I mean, we're talking five of the 52, 10% of the characters inside of wave four, uh, made their way to the tops of, uh, tournament outcomes. And I'm not sure that what I'm seeing right now out of wave five, we will see even that number of bots supersede that. I, I think there's one I, or two gems. I agree. I, I don't think that we will. I, if these bots get played, it will be in a uh i don't know like a supporting capac- capacity to where we are just like you were talking about the brawn in in dance deck like like maybe that's a five percent upgrade from skydiver or whatever but that doesn't change the deck at all really um the deck still functions in the same way where it you know uses its little guys to buy time and then just wins off immense power of galaxy um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's but, 100% how I think I see this evolving from a character perspective. And I I think the Titan Masters are really interesting and the heads offer a dynamic, but I'm not sure that that dynamic will really just... I, I'm not convinced yet. We're still very early in testing, but I'm not convinced yet that that dynamic really shifts the game in a different direction. I think the game is still sim- sitting in a very similar direction. Uh, we just get this ability now to play with the essential star value of our bots which creates some interesting potential synergies and combos, but it's um, whether or not that's meta defining yet. I, I think the jury's still out and, and I'm leaning, I'm starting to lean more towards probably not like it's going to feel more like the rise of combiner stuff where we're going to spend a lot of time playing that. But at the end of the day, the best, the best lineup in that meta will still be a three wide control list and most likely the way four, three wide control list with maybe a wave five bot in that second position over, um, over the wave two, you know, aerial bot. Right. And I mean, that's, that's very similar to what happened even in like between wave three and wave four, you know, we just kind of replaced the core guy of the three wide control with, uh, galaxy. But yeah, I mean, th- there was another big shift that happened there, though, with the banning of Press the Advantage, right? So, like, the game really, really kind of changed its whole sort of general attitude when PTA got banned, uh, because I think 
I mean, I think up to that point we were really looking at, a, a, I mean, Gen Con certainly shows that like even at that particular stage when we had battle masters, like aggro battle masters and four white aggro was just like the tops because of the consistency that PTA gave those Autobot aggro lists. And with the PTA banning, we saw the, uh, uh, the pendulum swing completely the opposite direction with what we saw at the EI and, um, you know, even, even pre-qualifier season, like with once PTA got banned after the qualifiers, like we just saw shockwave rise to the, to the top instantly until we got galaxy prime. So I I'm, you know, I don't know if we'll see any bands. I, I don't know if they even have any cards on their radar right now that are, that are potentially problematic. And if, if we don't, assuming that we're not going to get any bands, which I don't think there's any cards in my mind that really stand out as needing to be banned right now, then, um, yeah, I think, I think we're going to see a, a meta that doesn't shift as much as it has between wave three, end of wave two and end of wave four. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing, uh, now that they have completed this set, it's going to be really hard to play aggro into a world of, uh, tripwires. Yeah, that card right? is absurd. That I, that card is really designed to shut off the airstrike patrol, right? Like, I mean, that's it what is, we're really. It looking is at. funny that like not only does it make just aggro in general difficult, but it just like it like allows you to put a target on the like the patrol leader if you're you know if you're up against airstrike or uh, trucks or whatever stupid patrol. Yeah, I mean, you just I get to like tap him and attack him because they only have stealth while they're untapped. Yeah, I, th- I I agree with you that I think it's going to make. Um, make the wider strategies less impactful. And whether or not that's a, a methodology to trying to reinvigorate three-wide aggro, I don't know. I mean, I played a three-wide aggro cars list against you um, this last weekend on stream, and my lineup was two guys we know very well, which is Cliffjumper and Wheeljack. And then the middle bot was uh, Windcharger, who's the new bot from, from Wave 5. And I like Windcharger. I'm I'm very impressed with Windcharger. He synergizes extremely well with Cliffjumper. Um, but it didn't get it still didn't get there, right? Like he's not he's well, not impactful I, enough. I think that was a poor matchup for you because you're you know, the aggro decks lose to decks that are wider than them, and like I was five wide, so technically six <laughs> if we count the head, right? Right. I, I <laughs> and, mean, and you were just doing ancillary damage of like one damage to all my bots every time something died. So because uh, Quake was just triggering like left and right, which is the whole purpose of that deck. And I, I wonder, I do wonder if that's like a situation where like a if that sort of deck emerges, whether or not you see something like a Bumblebee Legendary Warrior kind of reemerge. I just, uh, I don't think that deck could possibly beat a Galaxy deck in a million years. I just like it. It's never going to do twenty-one damage through Quake ability and crappy little three-power attacks. So I don't like <laughs> I don't know how it could ever win in a real meta. It's it's fun though, man. It was <laughs> to just like like to chain your guys dying into into the damage. Yeah, it, but it's it, it's really oppressive and it makes for some difficult decisions to play around for sure. Like Quake makes you uh consider like how bad do you want to kill something right this second? You have to think almost two or three turns in front of you. Uh, you should be doing that to some degree anyways, but Quake really makes you think about it because you have to think about the order of attacks that your opponent's going to give you and how that's going to play out if you offer up a bot that's uh, low in health, maybe to begin with. Because sometimes like you would play aggro in a way where you're like, 
oh yeah, well, this guy's definitely not going to die to the next attack. Whereas if I offer up this guy, he's just going to die to the next attack. And so I'm going to give you my, my guy that has no damage on him now to soak another attack to keep more offensive firepower on the board. And Quake just kind of says, I don't care about any of that. And, and stops that whole sort of thought process when you're playing. I, I think there will be a lot of people playing Quake. He's fun. It's like, he's, he's good enough to beat a lot of casual decks and like, uh, you know, people like playing on the like axis. That's not like the normal axis. Um, so I, I think that we will see a lot of quake at kitchen tables and at locals or whatever, but I, I don't think he's actually, uh, very good unless there's some kind of weird sideboard thing against wide aggro that I already think you don't want to be in this. meta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, um, I think that's that leads into a good conversation. I mean, obviously, it's way too early. Um, and we know that. And we know that uh, we don't have enough data against what we would call the Wave 4 meta decks to really um, understand whether or not anything is super, super duper, like, on on par. But when we when we look at this set and we look at the development of it and we look at the games we played so far... What is something now after playing your first games that you're really excited to try? Is there anything? I still love Perceptor, man. I played him in that aggro deck and it just feels super good to flip him every time. Like it's just like 100% upside. Just like draw two cards, make him bigger. And he's, I don't know, he's really good. And he's a re- he's really good at finding your showing offs, right? Like that's just something he's super good well, at. Obviously, he's gonna he just draws a million cards, so like he's gonna you're gonna see the the showing offs more often. I mean, I don't know how many times in the the one matchup we did. I think this was two weeks ago, where Perceptor in a best of three ended up at plus you know plus seven or something like right. that. I, plus six. I think seven. You know? I think seven is like his normal mode when he attacks, like. You have enough flipped cards in your deck that you can get him to seven easy. And and it's I think only that's two what, flips, like well, two all flips, four flips yeah, total. Four flips, right. Yeah. I, I I was more under the impression I thought he might be a bot that ended up with two extra cards on him before he died. But I'm I, what I'm seeing instead is something different where he has the opportunity to get much, much larger than that. Um he obviously doesn't have the health pool of somebody like a galaxy or or a jetfire, but um, he just has enough punching power that I think he could punch through those decks too. So I think Perceptor as an aggro card might actually be tier one. I'm going to, he might go be good a as a control card too yet. I just haven't done it. It seems harder to, to figure that out, but all right. So yeah, obviously we've built Perceptor as an aggro list and you know, when we start talking about Perceptor as a control list, I agree with you that, that we're, it's a lot more difficult to find value in Perceptor, at least at this stage. I, I'm I'm not seeing the value in him as a control character. All Perceptor is is value. He is the ticket to value town. Well, but sure, but, like... but it's in card value, and you can do that in aggro, <laughs> yeah. you can do that in control, and which one's going to win you the game faster. Right, and he just has this problem where, like, like because of the nature of through eyed control, and because we have these, like, four and five star bots that are as good as like the six and seven star bots. You're always going to have space for a galaxy prime in your three eyed control deck. Just like if we had some really good, uh, like either 
very good attacker or very strong defender six or seven star bots, then maybe these, you know, a guy like like Nemesis or Perceptor with a four star head, you know, some 12 star guy could go back to being the core of your three eyed control deck. Like the only, you know, the original three eyed control deck was Battlefield Legend, but even then, Battlefield Legend was just the biggest guy. Like they can go above 13 stars. So we're, no, like, but you, you could get better stats out of Nemesis Prime. And of course, in early early wave one, it was just Nemesis Prime and Battlefield Legend. They they won because it was the two proverbial biggest bots you could actually field at the time, right? So, right the the nature of the the like modern three eyed control deck is just like you're like min maxing, right? You're like, I want to have the biggest, awesomest guy, and I want to have the most speed bumps to protect him. And because our speed bumps at four and five are just as good if not better than the six and seven ones there's always going to be space for a jet fire or a galaxy and until that mid-rangey area gets shorn up then having a control deck with a core of 13 stars or 12 stars just doesn't make sense anymore and that's kind of where i think the control perceptor is you know it's probably fine it's probably good it's just not galaxy so if if you want to play perceptor do it i think he's probably awesome is just, if you want to play tippity top tier one, then I don't think he's there. Yeah, I don't. I don't know yet. I mean, I, I guess I think it's it's one of those things until we start actually trying to refine lists and think about the tier matchups, right? Like we haven't really done that up to this point. We've just been trying to figure out are these bots actually any good, and if they are any good, what are they kind of good in, right? And let's just see if the deck functions in the way that we theory craft that in our head and then that's to where i always start and then if i'm like wow this deck seems to be better than i expected now it's time to go put it into the proverbial gauntlet if you will and find out is it actually better than what we were currently playing and the secondary notion of all that is is that some amount of time has to be spent invested in the tier one list to make any modifications based on the new cards and set that might actually help bolster that particular uh, deck up even higher right so um that's just the nature of metagaming that's just the nature of prepping for competitive play so uh, i mean i think we're in a position now where we're still just in that early phases of like what the hell is this set trying to do and what are these bots trying to do and which one of these bots might actually be good enough to either plug into an existing archetype or uh, develop their own new one. And and at least in the early phases, I'm not sure we're, we're talking about an, an all new deck right now, but I think we are, um, I, I, I felt like we were on our way with Airstrike Patrol getting some love. I mean, Windsweeper and Airstrike Patrol seem like, man, that might be one hell of an aggro combo, right? Because aggro's always lack that sort of direct damage effect sort of idea. And the reality is tripwire just stops that, right? <laughs> like it just says, Oh, nope, that that's not a format or an, like a, a deck right. list that's that, going to exist. That so, card is a hell of a thing, man. It is. It, it's, it's this set sabotage armaments in my mind. Like, um, it, it really is. But I do want to talk just a little bit about, um, the reprinting of improvised shield and handheld blaster. And I want to get your speculative take. I know it's just speculation. We have no insider information on this, but to me, 
printing these reprinting these cards in wave five certainly seems to set some groundwork that while we're not going to get rotation this year we it almost to me feels like we're going to get rotation next year now because of this how do you feel i don't know i mean i was pretty sure we're going to rotate this year um or last year i don't remember when it i was pretty sure they were going to rotate like up until they told us they weren't just it just like made sense to me to do that because of the nature of like wave three and four being kind of a, you know, they're both the siege block or whatever. But uh, now I just don't know. I mean, yeah, those cards exist and they're, they're probably important for the game to maintain in every format, but I don't know. I I well, still I mean, think it's going to be a long argument. time before you see a rotation. And yeah, I mean, there's an argument rotate, just for limited, right? Sure, and and constructed. Like, I mean, there a card like that is obviously like a staple in every format. So it's a card that's good to reprint. You know, we we had a bunch of weird reprints in Wave Three. And some of them were kind of dumpy and it didn't make any sense to me. But like if you're new coming into the game, like you'll have access to these cards if you didn't have them before and, and you don't want to like back buy into wave two or whatever. Um, if all you want to do is start fresh. I I don't know. It, I I think it's fine. And, and maybe we just don't have the inside information either on like general stock availability of wave one and wave two inventory. So maybe wave one and wave two inventory is getting really, really low in the channel. And so maybe they went, you know what? Or maybe they just made the speculation that wave one or wave two inventory would get really low in the channel by now. So they're like, well, if we print it in wave five, at least these cards don't become like super valuable commons in, in that sense of like they're required in every deck. And so every player has to go out and spend... I don't know, $5 for a set of commons of, of each one or something. You know, I, I don't, I don't know what the, the general thought process was, but my, my tinfoil hat goes on a little bit and thinks, okay, they're, they're clearly starting to prep the set rotations. See, I and think if, me, I think if they were going to rotate, we would see a card that has double pips. as a different name. Like, you know, they, they don't want to have another like, double set of double pips of each color with for no stars uh that was obviously like very dumb with security checkpoint and peace through tyranny um but if they were gonna wrote like it would be more of an indicator to me if they printed like a different card with no star and a double pip uh in a set because you would never want like the set of three of them together like that, sure. that would indicate it more to me than than reprinting the, the thing but but i i guess i look at it and go well if if i think i understand their design philosophy and we've had some conversation with the team at energon invitational regarding double pip cards we just we talked about it a little bit with them at in philly I mean, they, they kind of more or less said, you know what, like we didn't really know in wave one how important the double pip cards would be other than we knew we couldn't print too many of them. And like they kind of reversed that whole decision by 
uh, by the time we got into wave three, right, where it was like, oh, yeah, like, no, all the double pip cards that are have meaningful battle colors are going to now be attached to stars. And so to me, like, if I was purely speculating on rotation and just again, there's no information here. It's just speculation. And I can either be told a year from now that I'm completely wrong or be like, wow, I look like Nostradamus here. But, um, I think what they're prepping for is to get rid of the security checkpoint piece through tyranny and, and reduce the number of double pips accessible into deck builders without spending, expending stars. Um, in general. And so because of that, I think that the first thing you do if you're going to build a set rotation where like we're going to pull wave one or wave two out or maybe both out is do this with handheld blaster and improvised shield. And then the starting point for the new rotational set, if you will, is siege one and two, right? That's the block that that hangs on. We get this block. We get two more sets maybe this year. I don't know what's going to happen with that with regards to the, the delay. And, and then... You know, going into next year, we get our first set into the first part of the new year, and then they can pull out wave one and wave two, and we have a, a standard format now, if you will, for lack of a better term. And and then we've got, you know, the legacy expanded format, and then they never have to print another double pip card in that format either, right? Because they, they get themselves into a position where if they print new double pip cards, then the legacy format automatically starts to get those, right? Like it's all, all of a sudden you've got you know, three different name, double pip cards in each color set. And it becomes a problem. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the thing about the double pip cards is like, if we went to this potential rotation and they had some kind of, uh, legacy format that includes all sets, like if everyone has access to the nine double pips, does it really matter? Like, over a large number case of games that should even out. And if we're talking about a legacy format, you know, does it, does it matter if they're more powerful? Like, does it matter if Metroplex is a little better? Cause he has more doubles. Like, it, I don't know this, this is all speculation. It's probably meaningless. It, but I, I, I hope that there is a rotation because I don't know. I just, I'm sick well, of getting I, I a security think- checkpoint at that. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that I think is important about the rotation process is cards that we're currently missing, not evaluating as strong because there are better cards in earlier sets, i.e. like just as an example, Sharp and Talons was put out here in Titan Masters Attack. It's a green pip plus two weapon, right? That card is never better than Noble's Blaster or Scoundrel's Blaster. Never, right? Period. Zero. Nope. Zilch. Nada. Nope. It is better in the case that you have a mixed team and want one that you can put on either one. Uh, you can't say it's 100% better. There's going to be okay, a time. 99.5% right, yeah. of the time it is better. It's very those... rare that you will print a card that's literally worse than another card. Cr- cr- sure. There will always okay. be some stupid corner case. Okay. Barring this like 0.5%. Because you can put talents talents on on an octone. You can't put either of the other things on an octone. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You got me on the octone. Good job. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm saying if you're playing octone and that's what you're thinking, you might as well be playing soldier's blaster. It's just a better green pip at that point. So, (sighs) okay. (laughs) But 
my my point being is is clearly sharpened talons is a great card for a limited play right now as it sits but if noble's blaster and scoundrel's blaster don't exist is sharpened talons a good weapon probably not <laughs> i don't know maybe <laughs> right i mean i'm just saying like if you if you take those out and you and and you go okay like from a weapon selection standpoint, if we take away Energon Axe and we take away Grenade Launcher and we take away Noble's Blaster and Scoundrel's Blaster, all of those are staples that came from Wave 1 and Wave 2. If those cards come out, Erratic Lightning, Sharpened Talons is a reasonable weapon. It's consistent, provides you with plus two. It does impact the consistency of your battle flips, but we've already seen plenty of cases in deck design and development where you sacrifice some consistency in battle flips to guarantee statistical value. I mean, I think, you know, Scott Landis would argue that point probably till he's blue in the face with a lot of people. Why we, you know, we talked about that all the time, like guaranteed value, at least at one stage in the game was, was more important than battle flips. Maybe that's shifted a little bit again, but that's also because we've gotten so much more consistency in, in good cards, good text effects and, and pips that I feel like we get to a point where maybe with rotation, a card like sharpened talons becomes better. I I'm not saying well, that it is, it won't get worse. <laughs> that's for sure. No, 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 no. But, but I mean, I think that's when, if you start thinking about it from like, I'm guilty of this. I'm sure other people are as well, but like I look at a card like laser scalpel and in no world is that better than crushing treads, right? What world is that better than crushing treads? Crushing size is what you're size crushing size yes i'm sorry the the pierce one white pip allows you to draw a card if you can't remove a utility um i mean it those are very different cards like they they both give pierce one but the the scalpel is a double black pip right right like those i mean does your deck want a double black pip it's better than some of the other double black pips that that's how i would look at that card i i i don't disagree Crushing sort size of. is like a card, like, like an answer. Laser scalp will never be an answer. Right. And that's my, that's my point. But if you were looking for a utility or a, that would give you Pierce one and you didn't have crushing size, this would be one of the few outlets to do that. Can we agree with that? I guess I, I I'll tell you one thing. I have never looked for a utility that's given me Pierce before. So I, 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 I can't I, tell you one I, way or the other. Sure. 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 But my, my point being, I think I've made my point. My point is, is that um, we're, we're going to automatically look at cards that already give us a similar effect and maybe do more, i.e. crushing size and then go, Oh yeah, well I'm never going to play this card in constructed. Like there, if I was going to play double black pips, there are, like if double black black pips is the reason why I'm playing this card, there are probably five or six other better double black cards than this card across the board, right? Like this is a card that ends up in your deck because you're playing limited. But if we have rotation and we don't have all of the stuff that we had from wave one and two that can fill a similar role in the deck, then Maybe laser scalpel is better. I, I don't know. It probably isn't. But I mean, it, it, the point is, is that we instantly discount a lot of cards because there are better versions of them from previous previous sets. And that's where I think rotation actually makes the game kind of shift and change and become 
uh, more alive when new sets come out. Because we reduce the set size. We go back to that same conversation we were talking about before where, all right, we have now we have five sets of cards. Okay, if we go down to three sets, we've just reduced the card pool. So each set that we add adds more value back into the to the format. So I I mean I, I think it's coming. We all know it's coming. It's just a matter of when. But I'm I'm of the opinion it's going to come next year with the removal of set one and two, keeping siege in for another year, and then they'll pull siege out after a year. But that's my that's my speculation. I know we talked about it way too long, but um, you know yeah, we do that. I, I mean. It will be good for the game. It's good for every game. Like people, people get all upset because they're like, "Oh, my leave one card is going to go down in a bunch of value." And that, if the game dies, that'll happen, I guess. If the game doesn't die, that never happens. I'd like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, Modern Magic has more expensive cards than anything you're going to find in standard, right? I mean, just in right. general. And and there is like there's fifteen cards in every set of magic that are good in standard and are valuable and then when they rotate out of standard they lose value because they're not good enough for modern but if you're actually interested in that and you're you know somewhat savvy about it you just you know which ones are going to hold value and you know which ones aren't and it's not like they're going to come out of the woodwork and just surprise ninja you and be like well now wave one's rotated out hope you sold all your peace through tyrannies ha 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 like they, they won't do that like, right. And and <laughs> and if legacy becomes uh, a staple format and, and part of the competitive sort of rotation, then piece of tyranny is only going to get more expensive on rotation. It's not going to get less expensive, right? Uh, it, like it'll go down. I if if they move to a thing where they have an old format, but they're rotating out of set one, the set one cards will go down until it's proven that there will be a competitive or even just casual following for the legacy format. I mean, that that's what happens to the, the magic cards, you know, like that's what happens to every game. Cause if they don't support the legacy format, like then there's no point in having those cards. They won't hold value. But if there's, you know, if we go to an EI three years from now and they have a standard tournament and a legacy tournament or whatever, assuming that we're using these terms, whatever kind of thing, uh, then yeah, they'll hold value. But if, that was kind of what happened to versus cards was like they kept their their like modern and golden age rotations but like there was never any golden age tournaments so the golden age cards all just didn't matter you just like played that with your friends if you wanted to kind of but it took up a deck a while and that particular game to actually develop the two formats, if I'm remembering correctly, like it was like eventually there five were three. Years? They had modern, silver age, and golden age. Wasn't uh, it? But I mean, didn't we didn't we get like three or four years of sets before they finally like broke it down into um, two different? I, it might have been like the tenth set that was the first rotation. So it was three years. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew it was a ways in. I was trying to remember when that like I don't remember when that when that got developed it was when and, the and second set of sentinels came out i think whatever the second x-men set was yeah that was that was in year three because that was right around the time that um i took a small break from it for a while because i was just grinding so hard and like i was just not i was just getting burned out so i took some time off in general like it will be good for the game to have a rotation it's just it will spice up the format because like we were talking about there's just 
a million staples and I'm looking at this list of battle cards for wave five and there's like five of them that I think we'll see constructed play. Maybe. Yeah. No, I, I, and, I'm, I'm with you. Like, as I look at the, the battle cards, there's, there's, I think there are certain battle cards that will fit certain archetypes. For example, scouting mission, if wreckers become a thing will be a good card because of, uh, the guy that. Cause of cup. Let's you, Yeah. Or whoever it is that gives you the plus attack for doing damage to your wreckers. And then, uh, I think that that card also does really well with Windsweeper because it helps enable Windsweeper. Um, and maybe that card is just good enough in any, anyways well, to just be able to take a point of damage to draw two cards. Any deck that wants that, like any deck that wants that last thing you said, just wants a pep talk probably. But uh, yeah, if you, I mean, I, like, I agree. Like if you're just looking to draw cards, pep if talk you have is just some a better way to version. gain value off the damage, then sure. The the like, only thing that this card does give you as an extra added value is the black pip, right? So like if you're playing uh, you that can, control like, deck, ding off their guy too, right? You can like zap their scrapnel or something. Correct. Let so them if draw. like if, I mean that's if, like not something you usually want to do, but if it wins you the game, you'll do it. it. It's it's an out, right? It's an out if like you're going, oh man, if I don't take this guy out, like I'm just going to get crushed. But he's at one defense, you know, I mean, one health. Like there's going to be a million stories on the internet. Everybody is like, you know. I left their guy at one health, but I got him with the scouting mission or whatever. Like that when the gate, like sure that that can happen and pep talk won't do that. But like, I don't even think a lot of decks want a pep talk. So I'm not sure a lot of decks want a scouting mission. That's like, I think that I think tripwire will see a lot of play. It'll usually be sideboarded. I would assume maybe a one of in the main. Yeah. I, I, I can see that, that as well. Just for, just for response to airstrike patrol aggros. Just yeah, and, it, and literally any five-star guy, like it just just takes a turn away from your opponent. It also just like knocks um, out their. Um, well, I guess it wouldn't do much for their heads if it's just head-on guy, right? Because you're just going to tap the head and then like probably still um, smash it. I think it, that so. counter espionage <laughs> will see a lot of play because I just think that card's very good. Yeah, counter espionage seems really solid. Um, I think that. It's possible that hold the line is very good, though hold the line is less good now that tripwire has been printed. Like they kind of do the same thing. Um, I think that I think that lose the initiative is a funny card. I don't think it'll see any play unless people are like, like they just want the orange, black, green, and they're playing around the counter espionage, so they want a split of lose the initiatives and uh, whatever the wave five card is. Um, so that's about it. I, I, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I think I think, I think the list is done now. <laughs> it's it's pretty narrow. We, I mean, we kind of went about this and talked about it. Uh, if you listen to the card Tim World, Transformer, Quagmire is very powerful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we talked about this a little bit, or at least I kind of went off on it on the Traveling Transformer podcast with Dan uh, a few weeks back. If you're not following Dan on on that podcast, you really should. It's he does a really nice show, and uh, we had a ton of fun with him, and super thankful for him bringing us on. But um, you know, I just kind of went off on a little bit about like how this battle card set doesn't really evolve my battle deck that much from where I was at. And, and that seems to be, I mean, we're, we're saying the same thing. There's four cards out of the, you know, proverbial. And there'll be something. like fringe playable stuff. Like, like I was playing that metal keto card in the, the deck. Cause it, it wanted different pip colors or whatever. And it's blue, orange, black. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I think cards like that, I mean, like, 
it still turns on airstrike patrol, which is interesting. So I think like that card. Well, that might, one doesn't because it doesn't have a green. Why not? On it, but oh, metal keto doesn't. You're right. Metal it's keto black is and, black, green, black. Sorry, black, orange, blue, orange and blue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it it only like gives you. It has the like range specialist melee type thing. So it only gives you the one of the three colors. Right. When you flip but, it. But it, but it still counts as those colors for cards that care about color effects. Right. So, I was playing it for the um, Fortress Maximus flips. Trigger. Right. Yeah. So I will say this. I, I've looked at, I mean, we. I, th- I think it wouldn't be a good shuffle bus episode without talking a little bit about our boy Megs. How do you feel about this new Megatron? He's fine. He has the potential to be the, the actual biggest attacker on turn one with no cards played. That's true. Because uh, you could put the like bold head on him and have the, and have thrust and like uh, flip him so he becomes seven attack plus the bold and then plus three from thrust. Like he's actually slightly larger than Optimus or Jetfire. I don't think he's as good as either of those cards if you're trying to win a long game. But if you're going for the literal most like biggest attack on turn one, uh, he does it. Yeah, I, he definitely does. I and think he's cool. Like I. The Optimus and the Megatron both are just kind of meh. You know, they're they're not rares. They're which is fine. Like we've had, you know, a bunch of super rares and rares of these guys, and they're all very good. I think one thing that one thing that we, I mean, it's obviously not as good as just playing Energy Pack on Galaxy Prime, but um, like the fact that we can put an Energy Pack on Megatron. And still, callous leadership Megatron seems like. I mean, he's getting up there in that uh, nineteen point health pool for twelve to thirteen stars, depending on the head you attach to him. I mean, even if you went with a big head, he's fifteen, so he's still like in line with Galaxy Prime and Star Cost. Whether or not that's good, I I'm not sure yet. But um, you know, he he's he's kind of right there alongside him, and we do gain access to Hunker Down, which I think is nope. Uh, nope, you sure don't. No, you can't go from body mode to tank mode with hunker down. Oh, really? Oh, because <laughs> hunker down says flip from bot mode to tank mode. Yep. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you can't even hunker down. So never mind. He's, Disregard that. He's, I mean, he's fine. He's a bomb and limited. Somebody will play him at casuals. I don't think that he is very important. Uh, same way I feel about the Optimus. Like just. You know, somebody was doing some math. I don't remember who it was. It was on my Twitter feed that was doing some math on um, the Prime. And if he has a toolbox equipped, what it, it effectively turns his effective health into. And toolbox is a single grain card. So, I mean, like, to play a one-of toolbox and get value out of it maybe isn't impossible. But it does f- turn his effective health into, like, 25 effective health. Uh, is what the based on like average game length and how many attacks you would get and how much healing we get off his own attacks. The and that's problem not with this strategy cards. is first off, Galaxy already has that much health without playing any cards. Second well, off, he has twenty one. Toolbox is have- a rare, so if there was ever a popper format and this could possibly happen, you can't because toolbox is a rare. <laughs> like it just he just doesn't matter. Like they're fine. Both those guys are going to be bombs and limited. I think nothing else. It. I I I think it. I think maybe this Optimus with with one card dedicated to healing might be okay. 
I, I'm. I think I think he'll be okay. Is I mean, again, like you'll see him at at locals or whatever because people like Optimus is and like he is a big dude and has a like enough printed stats to win games. It just he doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't excite me. Sure. No. I, I. I mean, I get that, and I don't expect him to. But because you're not, you're also like totally anti-repair. Like you, you believe that the repair healing strategy is is bad. Just bad. Take but, my toolboxes. You can have them. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think you offered them up already. I did. Right. I want to trade them for high fives. <laughs> That's right. High five uh, is a repair card, though, right? I don't even know what it does, but. It, it is a repair card. I, I don't think you want to buy into the all-in repair strategy because I think you're putting too many bad cards in your deck to um, to try to like keep an Optimus alive. And like we said, you know, keeping Optimus alive is not winning the game. It's just prolonging your you know your inevitable loss. But I do think like and and a good example of that was like when I was playing Jetfire at EI against the healing bugs list. Like he didn't actually ever win a game he just outtimed me in a game in a, in a match right and so whether well, we or not, definitely shouldn't be supporting that <laughs> no I, I i agree with that statement so i i'm thinking to myself like if i was going to play a healing optimus i i would definitely not be playing a healing optimus stall game like that's not the game i want to play like uh when we played age of sigmar champions there was a death deck that was like called like um immortal stall and it was basically just like you were just going to make sure your opponent like drew themselves out of the game. Uh, so they would just draw their last card. They, your opponent can never actually beat you. And you didn't actually ever beat them. You just like won off of the default of they couldn't draw cards anymore. And so games would go 30, 45 minutes playing that. And I, I never found that sort of gameplay enjoyable for anybody, whether I was playing against it or whether I was playing with it. So I do hope that... Uh, something like this kind of card, which is kind of aggressive, where we wouldn't have to go in on an all-in repair strategy, could give us like a really interesting sort of aggro bot, right? Like, I mean, Optimus could make a decent aggro bot with a toolbox on him. Like, you might end up being able to absorb a third attack that way, and that might just be enough, right? Like, that might be enough to make three white aggro a real thing. Um, and I, the problem is he's really big for three white aggro, but I don't know. You know, again, I'm, it's a puzzle to solve. I do think it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not as sour on him as the internet is sour on him and, and you as well. But I also know like I'm a little more open to this idea that repairing may be enough. If it's just, the guy enough, is, you know, he's a fine guy. Like he's just, he's just not going to be tier one in anything. Cause he does like his numbers are essentially the same as other optimists who does stuff. And he just, is blank numbers and the other optimist has text like that's kind of well problem. i mean the, his his old mobility isn't completely irrelevant right i mean like he he just he's got a built-in kinetic converter on that one on that one flip so you don't i mean you, you're getting to draw a car just for flipping that's not obviously as good as like reveal the top card of your deck and if it's an action play it like that's clearly more value town than this but this is just like uh, I mean, it's still a draw engine. And if Cliff Jumper is good as a draw engine, he's like a third of Cliff Jumper, right? Like, because Cliff Jumper does it for all your guys besides himself. So he's like half of a Cliff Jumper. But 
I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I, I, it's a, so when I talk about decks that I'm excited to try, which is where we kind of started this whole conversation many, many moons ago now, uh, Optimus and Megatron are both decks that I'm like itching to kind of try to build something around and see if, if it can work. And I don't think the solution to Optimus is let's go all in on healing mode. Although, I mean, I guess you could play who, who's the, is it Ratchet that like gets plus attack for healing? Seems maybe you're just gonna play two tall ratchet optimus. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds bad. really bad. It does sound really bad. Um, but like at the end of the day, like I do think that you can build a similar list to Galaxy Prime and get similar effective health pools, um, and not need as many energy packs in the deck. Like you can free up card slots for other things. Uh, and, and granted, there are some games where Galaxy Prime does get up to uh, 29 health, but most of the games he's 25 health. So in most games, the effective health, as prescribed according to this calculation, Optimus Prime Legendary Warrior has the same effective health as Galaxy Prime with an energy pack and doesn't need an energy pack to get there. So if you add an energy pack you actually kind of get up to what I would call an above average experience for galaxy prime. Now well, you that's sacrifice because like the, the thing that galaxy does is he galaxy has text on him that like puts energy pack into play without doing anything. Sure. And it also, I, puts I agree, but you don't, into play you without don't doing anything like sure, but you don't, you don't need energy pack on legendary warrior to to what what the argument is you don't need legendary uh you don't need energy pack on legendary warrior to essentially get the same sort of health no, but impact. you you do need a a blank utility right like is what sure. we're talking about you, you you need a toolbox absolutely and whether or not a single toolbox will get you there or have you underperforming probably doesn't get you there but i'm i am interested to try it cuz i i'm willing to be open minded about it and see how it works. Well, I'll tell you what card I'm really upset about. I have, a, I have another like, excited. I have another stupid one that I'm very mad about. Okay. <laughs> Is uh, the King Star Scream stratagem? Yeah, don't don't even get me started. What? Is Why? Going on with this Why card? does it do this? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like when the remember when, when we first decided to start doing this and i was watching uh stefan's videos on youtube of him playing uh three wide King King Star 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 Stream. Yeah. i was so excited about it because i thought it was so cool like even in that version like the dude just he still attacks for 23 or whatever does he need to attack for 27 it should give him plus four health or plus four defense or something or like well it does give him plus four health so maybe you're maybe you're misthinking the card so i still sorry, think this card's bad sorry. I just, it's just so boring. Like, it's just so it is boring. You're right. I, I misspoke. I'm with it, you. Does, it does give plus four health. It just, like, it should give him something cool. It should, like, make him playable. I don't know. I, what I, what I think it should have done, what I think it should have done, and I would have been okay with a stratagem that had two star costs on him, even if it allowed you to have a crown in your hand to start. Like, that's the biggest problem with King Starscream, right? Is like the consistency of having the crown get planned on top to value. What this should give him minus four health and minus one star. That's what it should do. <laughs> I'm not sure that King Starscream is good at that, man. 
Um, like, I, I don't know. It just like, okay. It just so bothers if, if I just me. Said, like, I wanted, this is just like the stupid volcanicus thing. Like, if I said I'm going to give you a bot that's six attack, eleven health, and one defense for eleven for twelve stars, you tell me that's the worst bot in the game. You can't give him minus minus health. Like his health pool is so low already. Like his health pool is he on 15, par. Right? Is that the... fifteen? Right. So so this takes him to fourteen I guess, stars. Like, I guess it makes him health. kind of like like an octone, I guess type, right? Ish. The, the biggest problem he has is that is like, he, his this takes him to 14 stars though right takes him to 14 stars so what are the stats and, on on shockwave um, it, um, good question uh, I'm trying to remember it's been a long time since I played shockwave um, you would think it'd be permanently ingrained in my mind after Orlando, but I just think I'm blocking that whole experience out. Both, shockwave is both seven seventeen two. Both so sides shockwave, of Shockwave are better text than uh Yes, Star both Scream. sides of Shockwave are better text. So he has two the, less the, health and The problem with the Usurper stratagem is that it requires the crown to be on him to give him plus four health. If it was just you have this stratagem and your Starscream has plus four health. Like, Oh my God, like this star Starscream would be amazing, right? Like we'd be talking about, we'd be having a whole other conversation because now I'm paying 14 stars to get two more health than major shockwave, which would make Starscream the largest Decepticon we could have right. Health pool wise and has a reasonable attack value of six that can get super big because of his ability to still flip the crowns. Right, and then we could still play this crown strategy with a bot that has 19 health and one defense. Instead, why wouldn't we just play Shockwave? Because we can sacrifice two health. That two health is not going to make that much difference. Get one more defense point and only lose one attack point in that process. Actually, we gain an attack point even. So, like <laughs> at the end of the day, like it just I just feel like what they should have done is said. All this stuff. While your Starscream Decepticon King is upgraded with Decepticon Crown, he has plus four attack. That should just be gone. He, it should just say he has plus four health. It's <laughs> fine. I'll pay a star for plus four health for him. To try him. Like, I try him at that point. I'm definitely not interested in trying him. It should give him, like... Like, while he has the crown, he should get, like... Like, plus four, plus four, plus four, bold four, tough four, focus four. <laughs> Uh, man, you went you went all out. I was gonna just say that what it should do, if you wanted just an effective ability, is it allow you to start the game with I a just, crown in your hand? I just I want it to make me excited to play him, and it doesn't. You know, and well, and and the reason why I say start with the crown in hand is because then I could build a whole deck around plan like secret dealings and a whole bunch of other things, and then turn one I could turn or first turn I attack with Starscream, I can plan the crown to guarantee the crown flip, and then get. Starscream back into the mode to pull the crown back out of hand, uh, back out of the discard pile, and really get the engine going faster than if I'm just relying on the crowns in my in my deck. I don't know. I, it, there was, I think there was maybe the, I would love to hear from Watsy team on this and like why it landed this way. Because I mean, this is this is definitely better than the Volcanicus one. Jurassic Punch is the biggest letdown, but this this kind of felt the same way to me. Where like I just I wanted one that was going to make me really excited to play him, and it doesn't, and that makes me sad. Well, on that note, 
let's not forget we're running a challenge still. We've got uh, a little over a month still. We've got till May. We were going to extend it out till a month after the release. I, I think we'll have to extend it because of the Watsy like push, you know, to, to, so we're giving everybody a little bit more time to make Volcanus Volcanicus great again. Show us your Jurassic punches list. You can tweet them to us. You can, uh, get on our discord channel and, and, uh, share them with us in the general chat there. Um, you can, I don't know, Facebook us, uh, whatever you want to do, but share us your, share with us your Jurassic punch deck list. If it can beat a tier one competitive wave four list, it will earn you a 35th anniversary star scream or she's, <laughs> we've been talking about star scream. It'll earn you a 35th anniversary blaster and sound wave set. So you will win a blaster and sound wave set if you can come up with the deck to to prove Neil wrong on Jurassic Punch. If not, we'll have some fun playing Jurassic Punch on stream or um, you know somewhere like that. We will play your deck right. on stream. I mean, I'm, and I'm I'm rooting for you. Like I I want Dinobots to be cool because uh, I really like Grimlock, but I just they're they're not giving me the tools to be excited about the bots I want to be excited about. So it's it's MVG. Let's make Volcanicus great. Not again, because he's never been great. But <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> make um, Volcanicus great for the first time. Like it's just, <laughs> I'll put but that if you're, on a if t-shirt. If you're one of these, <laughs> if you're one of these, maybe that'll be our shuffle bu- official yeah. shuffle bus shirt for 2020. Is the Make Volcanicus Great <laughs> shuffle bus for the first time. <laughs> For the first time, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the set. I'm, I'm excited to get more games in. I think the competitive meta is not going to get as shook up as what we potentially speculated when we were talking about the Titan master mechanic. Uh, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think it's, uh, something where, uh, this set, there are some gems in it, uh, particularly, I think like we talked about Windsweeper, and then, um, you know, maybe there's a good cards deck out there and I'm just not, I don't claim to be the greatest cards player. In fact, I just don't have enough probably experience with playing cards to even know the right attacking sequences, which seems super important with cars. And, um, I, I certainly made plenty of play mistakes on our stream the other day too, just in terms of missing wheeljack triggers and things like that. So, um, you know, end of the day, I, that's just a lack of experience, but, yeah, I mean let's let's hear let's hear some of your deck list ideas for Wave Five. Feel free to tweet them to us or whatever. I just want to see what you guys are all brewing. We I love you know checking out other people's decks and uh, show us your best. What what do you think you got out there that can really run with um, what I would call the the holy trinity of Wave Four, which was the you know aggro four wide aggro airstrike patrol plus combo plus uh, three wide control galaxy prime you know, thrust sideboard type stuff. So let's see what you got. Let's, uh, let's just have some fun with it over the next few weeks. And we'll be on stream every Sunday to, so maybe your deck will make a stream. You never know. Neil, do we have anything else to add before we wrap up? Uh, lucky number 13. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really depressed about the Megatron thing still a little bit. <laughs> I, yeah. Are you, are you prepping your rap yet for me? no, I, 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 hope Stefan Stefan has, I gave you a yeah, shout out. You Stefan, saw that, right? If you're listening to this, please hit me up on the vector discord and help me write a Megatron rap because I am not a musician and not excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
give it your best shot, man. If you don't want to do it to the Nicki Minaj thing, I, I'm down nope. with you know whatever I, bad rap you come up with. I I will. I'm trying to my, let you off the hook a little bit. My, my my word or whatever that I would do it. <laughs> your honor is going to remain intact. Yeah, <laughs> I said it on the internet, so it must be true. Yep, like it must be. But all right, I'm also not going to well, half-ass it. One final announcement. One final announcement before we sign off. Uh, Shufflebus.com is is uh, a site that we are starting to build up and build out. We would love for you to visit it and give us, us your feedback on it. Um, if you love our content, whether it's the Twitch stream or whether it's the pod, the easiest way to support us, we're not, we're not building Patreons over here, things like that. The easiest way to support us is to buy your Transformers singles from us right off TCG Player. And there's a link right on the shufflebus.com to our inventory. Uh, if you buy stuff from us, we need your ratings when your product arrives and is in good condition. It helps us expand our inventory on there so that we can give you all of the cards that we have in our inventory. And uh, it's, you know, it's obviously be super appreciative if you uh, would consider us for your purchases. So that's my last like sales pitch spiel. I'm not very good at those things, but um, yeah, that's, that's how we support everything that costs money to do in this, this game, which is things like podcast hosting and website hosting and um, the equipment for the stream and how we upgrade the stream. All of that stuff comes from your support. Yep. So let's uh, let's sign off then, Neil. Let's uh, let's bring this bus to a stop, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode fourteen, and maybe we'll have some come, more to talk about. Come see us on Sunday afternoon, and yeah, please come hang out with us. We'd love that. So, all right, thank you, everybody. Thanks, we'll guys. see you soon.